Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Of course, like there was a lot, uh, a lot of disappointment in the locker room at the end of the game of against Orlando because. You know, like you said, we've been through a lot and we knew that if we had a victory with the result that we saw, we would have clinched the playoff spot already. So there was disappointment, but like we, we said in between us, like we don't want to throw anything away. Like we've been through so much that we know like we want to fight for this playoff spot and after that we'll see what's happened if we make it if we make it there. So every, everybody is very focused, very determined on the on the game for Sunday and is willing to walk as hard as possible. That's Impact Keeper Clément Diop. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still, we're with you till noon. A reminder, uh, we will be talking to the coach, Jeff Reinbold, breaking down the NFL scene uh, in about 30 minutes' time. Uh, we do have its decision day tomorrow on TSN 690 and in the MLS. Grant Needham and I will have coverage beginning at 2.30. We'll also have a full uh, Montreal Impact post-game show as well where we'll hear from Terry Henry uh, live on Zoom after the game. Uh, but right now, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show. He's the assistant sporting director of the Montreal Impact, Vasily Kremanzidis. Vasily, what's going on? Hey, Joey. Good morning, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, like, do you have nerves before a big game like this? Like, do you get nervous? I think it's more excited than um, than nervous. But, uh, yeah, it could, it could be a little bit like that. But I think we're excited for tomorrow. Um, you know, happy to be in that position. So, it's uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them too much uh, nerves, you know? So, when the game starts... Like, do you, can you watch like a fan or is it, is it all like with an eye on, on the game plan and the game? Like, can you sit back and enjoy or is it, is it more, you know, always business? I think I've learned how to do both. Um, you know, you want to enjoy it. Of course, you're working in a sporting industry and in this field and you want to enjoy what you're watching and uh, support the team. But at the same time, you're always under constant evaluation uh, of the players, of of everything that's going on, so it's trying to keep um, all your senses going during the game. So it's been it's two wins in the last twelve. Um, and by for the record, by the way, it is our poll question of the day, uh, Vasily. It's uh, if you have to bet a paycheck on whether or not the Impact get into the playoffs, uh, you can find that at Joey Alfieri at TSN six ninety. The fans are not confident. Sixty one percent think that uh, you guys won't get in. I'm I I think you will. I don't know. I I think staying in. New Jersey for the week. Um, I just I think this is what I mentioned off the top, Vasily, and, and I know you're not going to break down the game plan or anything like that. I'm just I'm just talking out loud here. Um, I'm hoping to see you guys add a wrinkle that DC is not expecting this week. You know what I mean? Like you guys stayed in Jersey all week to work on things, and I'm hoping that you can hit them with something that they're not expecting. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it, Joey, 100. percent I mean, for us. You know, the, the goal of our club is, you know, from the beginning of the season is to make the playoffs. And, you know, it's always to participate in the postseason. And it's been a long season. There's been a roller coaster of results. There's been a schedule, travel trips. We can add them all up. But that's not any of the excuses we're going to go through because it hasn't been ideal for anybody. Um, so, you know, for us to be in a position right now where we hold the faith in our hands, and you know, in order to make the playoffs, I think it's exciting, as I said at the beginning. And, you know, that's what you play for play to make the postseason and an opportunity uh, at that point where anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I know Clément Diop was, he was asked about it 
whether or not he feels the team deserves to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know how much of a, a fair question that is, just because I think with everything you guys have gone through, uh, you know, not just pandemic-wise, but, you know, even with injuries, uh, the guys that have come and gone, I, I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird to me to suggest that a team that has destiny in their own hands doesn't deserve to make the playoffs. I don't see it that way at all. I think if you guys can win, you guys get in. I, I maintain, I've said this for weeks now, that you guys are a little unpredictable, but that's why if I'm another MLS team, I probably don't want to see Montreal in a one-off. I'd rather play somebody else. Yeah, well, look, if, if, you know, if we qualify for the playoffs tomorrow, um, I think we'll have earned it. Uh, I don't think anything here is just deserved. I think you'll have earned it, whether it's all the things that I mentioned about the season or just the way we come together as a group here. I think uh, the, the guys will have earned it. And then, again, you never know what happens in the playoffs. Uh, you'd like to think you're one of those teams that can do damage in the playoffs. So we'll take it one step at a time. We're excited for tomorrow. We're excited to, you know, hopefully get a victory and, and make the playoffs and uh, then see where it takes us. It'll be a little bit of a layoff, a little bit of a break before the postseason gets going after that. And, um, and yeah, you never know what can happen. So one step at a time for us. And if we qualify tomorrow, I think it'll be earned by uh, every single person that has been with the, with the club that has been out there in New Jersey, that has been out there in Orlando. Um, even before that in the MLS's back tournament. All right, so uh, before I move on to something else, I want to give you an opportunity to give me the Mark, the old Mark Messier guaranteed win. You want? Do you want to take that opportunity or no? I don't want to give any guarantees. <laughs> We're very hopeful and excited for tomorrow. Uh, he's Vasily the Impact's Assistant Sporting Director, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Um, the last win obviously came against Miami. I, I really like the way you guys played in that game. What do you think you guys can take from that game, or or what are you hoping you can take from that game? What did you like from that game that you'd hope would be applied tomorrow? Look, I think my, the Miami game was one of our best games of the season, not only because of the result, but it was a pleasure to watch. A lot of things were clicking and everything. And, and don't get me wrong, I think we've tried this type of play in many of the games this year. Sometimes it works, sometimes it hasn't. Um, but the style that the coaching staff wants to put in and the buy-in from the players, was very apparent in that game, and it is apparent in, in several other games this year as well, um, despite some of the results. So I think we won't, you know, um, you won't be changing too, too much. I mean, you're game 23 or even more into the season now, depending on how you count Champions League and uh, MLS's back playoff tournaments and all of that. And uh, the, the staff has been on and off on trying to put in their principles because we've had to, you know, come back and quarantine, and then we have to go back to games. So there's been a lot of start-stop, and... Um, you know, I, I think if they can put that forward and the guys are, are ready to go, I think they're all ready to go for tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon, sorry. Um, yeah, we're, we're again, we're excited for that game and if we can get some of that stuff that we saw in the Miami game going against D.C. tomorrow, we'll be in a good position. Uh, every time you've, I think every time you've come on the show, I've asked you about the, the Ugandan left back that you guys signed in the summer, Mustafa Kiza. Uh, he's finally, he's here, he's quarantined, uh, he's been training all week in Jersey. Uh, what have you heard about the week in training for him and, and how available is he uh, tomorrow? Like, I, I don't think he can go a full 90, right? Well, look, I think with Mustafa, it's been a pretty long process. I mean, we've been talking about it from the summertime. Um, we know that it would be you know, it would take a certain amount of time to get him, get him here, given the pandemic. You know, he had to get a Canadian work permit and a U.S. visa. Um, and, you know, when he were close to acquiring the Canadian work permit back in his country, the, you know, there were certain regulations that were imposed that caused a lengthy delay. 
And once that process was completed, you know, we wanted to get him to Montreal as soon as possible. So he came here, he quarantined, then he went for his U.S. visa. So it's been a pretty, pretty long process. Um, you know, and there's many people that work behind the scenes on that. Then I'll give a special shout out to our senior manager of team operations, Daniel Pachi, who, who does everything for the club and did a lot for, um, especially in this case with Kiza. Uh, but to come back to your question, um, you know, he's been working out. He's, we have a plan for him. He's been following it for uh, several weeks now. Uh, he joined the team earlier this week. Uh, he's available. I don't know what the plan is for him, but he is available uh, for selection tomorrow. To get called for the national team, it's an honor. Uh, I've been part of the national team for 10 years. Right now, the way the national team is, the, the quality we have in the team, the Euros coming the next summer, those are very big things for me and for the whole country. And, and, and this moment to, to refuse to go, uh, I don't see how I could do that. That's your captain, uh, Yuka Raitala, who uh, will play tomorrow. He's going to be available at least tomorrow. Uh, and then he's going to head off with the Finnish national team. Uh, there was a lot of uh, blowback uh, because he, you know, he can, he will likely miss the playoff game uh, if the, if he does go off for uh, if you guys do qualify and he goes off for national team duty. And, and I was a little bit surprised that the beating he took. Can you maybe just put this into perspective for us? Of you know, a player who's going to play meaningful games for the national team typically doesn't turn down the national team. Uh, were you surprised by the blowback? Um. Look, there's a lot of teams in a similar position. You know, we've been talking with um, several of the other MLS teams that are going to be missing players, um, like they did in the last transfer window, in the last FIFA window. Sorry, uh, for several days, and you miss several games and all of that. So it's not ideal. Nothing is ideal. We're still working with the league on trying to figure out, um, you know, what would happen upon the player's return, um, if anything. So. Look, you, you respect the national team, you respect the decisions, there's important games played all around, and you know nothing is ideal in 2020, so we'll, um, we'll adapt to it, and we support uh, all of our players in the season. He's Vasily Kremenzidis, the assistant sporting director of the Montreal Impact, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. Johnny? Vasily, I know it's been just a crazy, crazy season, but uh, Impact fans going into the year, the two guys that they really wanted to focus on um, were uh, Victor Wanyama and Boyan. We can do more of this when the actual uh, season or the playoffs is officially concluded, but what have you made of each one of those players' seasons uh, up until this point? Well, look, with Victor, he's joined us um just a little bit after the season started, and you know he's been pretty solid in the midfield for us. Gives us another um, dimension. Um, he's, he's been. We're, we're pretty happy with Victor' um, performance and everything so far. Um, there's a lot of you know more chemistry that needs to come with the whole team, and that's going to take a little bit of time um, to happen. It's it's like I said before. It's been an on and off season, so you haven't had all that time to keep on working on different things. Uh, with Boyan, like, he's had his moments this year. Uh, his moments sort of been up, they've been down. Um, you know, he's kept confident and he's kept his head up. Um, we've kept, we've kept encouraging him. We speak with him a lot, and um, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, available through the rest of the year. As um, and, and hopefully that he can come back to those games that he's played earlier for us. I think he had a couple of games, like I mentioned, where he was just very good, and then there's a couple of other games that as anybody else in the team could use some improvement. So, look, we're looking forward to, to being on the field tomorrow. We're looking forward to these guys contributing um, and see what happens from there. 
Uh, and you guys announced, I think it was this week, uh, Lassie Lapalainen, the loan's been extended for another year. Uh, that one makes sense to me. Uh, it, you know, he's a guy who, again, he had his moments this year, but missed a lot of time due to injury. I think he benefits, and I think you guys benefit from another year of that marriage. Yeah, we're always in contact with Bologna. You know, Lassie has been unfortunate with some of his injuries. Uh, we were in the works to prolong his contract even before his injury. He's a good player. You know, we know what he can, what he can do. We know he can make a difference in this league. Um, he's shown that with his pace and with the numbers he's put up. So, the decision was mutually made between all parties to return to Montreal for next season. And I know you love commenting on rumors, so I'm going to ask you about one. Uh, there's a report out of Mexico. Apparently, uh, Tijuana is interested in Maxi or Rudy. Could you tell us anything about that? Joe, okay. so you answered your question right at the beginning. What's that? That's why we don't like commenting on any rumors. True or not, we don't, um, yeah, we won't, we won't do anything further on that one. All right, uh, so I'm giving you one last chance. You want to guarantee a win tomorrow or not? We're very hopeful. We're excited. We're ready to go and we're happy to be in a position that, you know, where the fate is in our hands to make the playoffs. What a seasoned vet you are. You're a professional. Congratulations on uh, on the season. I think you guys are going to get in. I, I, I really feel that way. So you know what? I'm going to guarantee. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to guarantee anything. But I'm feeling. I If I was you guys, I would be confident going in. I, I Again, don't ask me why. I just I feel like, you know, the good solid week of training, I think you guys are going to be in a good spot. Anytime you have the faith in, the, the faith in your hands, you should be confident yes. going into the game. So. Uh, that's a good point. That's fair. All right. So. Thanks for uh, the support, Joey. We'll all be watching the game tomorrow and uh, hoping for the same result. Yeah, hopefully you're listening too, because it's on TSN six ninety as of two thirty. <laughs> I'll be. I'll have the various things on at the same time. Then I appreciate you doing this this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Vasily. Thanks, guys. That's Vasil- Vasily Kremenzidis of the Montreal <laughs> Impact joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. It's always fun. It's always good when Way you to can, try and blackmail him at the end there. Blackmail him? How did I blackmail him? Well. I just I said, hope, maybe you, I'm hope you, I hope you're listening. Hope what? you're listening. Uh, well, I'm just saying. I'm sure Vasily uh, will be. Uh, you could turn the radio. You could turn the radio up and turn the TV down. I know. I do I'm it just, all the time. I'm just saying that that's what I mean. I, I think that's what you were expecting him to say. Like I'm going to watch the I game. I wasn't expecting anything. And then you were going to say, "Well, just, that's the thing. You could do the old Dan Robertson on TSN." John, 69. I was just I was just throwing it out there, not just for Vasily, for everybody else who's yeah. listening. Because I don't think Vasily will be watching the game. He'll definitely be out and about. He doesn't have uh, any <laughs> yeah, riding sure. on this game yeah. whatsoever. No, not at all. Uh, but look, <laughs> again, the, the poll results, you can vote on uh, on Twitter, uh, at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690. It's just, do you think the Impact are going to get in or not? And uh, yes, they beat DC United is at 20%. No, they won't get in is at 61%. And yes, they'll get in without a win, though, is at 19%. And, I mean, I get it. I understand the Impact have two wins in their last 12 games, so fans aren't feeling confident going into tomorrow. But all you need is a result tomorrow. Like, I don't care what happened in the last 12. I don't care what happened in the last 20. You need three points, and you're in. Destiny is in your own hands. And so it's a, it's a big-time race right now, and this is it. It's it's one. It's win. And, you're in. That's and, it. And they do have quality. Yeah. And not they only do. that, they're facing a team, all respect to DC United, they're very fortunate that they're not facing a team that's closer to the top of the table in either the East or the Western Conference. I mean, that's what that's the benefit of tomorrow's game is that they're taking on a team. Sure, they're motivated, but at the same time, the quality in and of itself from DC United is not going to be the same as if you this came down to Toronto FC or something like at the end of the season. So it's definitely a winnable game. And 
count me as one of the people. And again, I'm always I'm always looking to the future. I'm the same way in any sport that I cover yeah. or follow. Man, I would just love for the impact to have three parts of a back four settled for next year in Kiza. Hopefully you can get Binks back and Brogiard at right back. I mean, right there, I think that the way that uh, MLS defending has been for so long, I think that if you can establish a proper either back five, if they want to continue going to three center backs or a back four, no matter what happens, I don't think that going into next season, you would have the same kind of elements if you have a settled back line. That has been one of the big problems for the impact this year has been obviously the lack of goals and the fact that they have been unable to kind of keep them out of their own net. But it's not it's not really a lack of goals though. Like it's a lack of goals lately, but the impact can score. Like the impact have put the ball in the net for the most part this season. But in fairness. Very inconsistently. Inconsistently, but they've still done it with enough regularity where, you know, yes, they've been shut out and back to back going into tomorrow, but that's not the part that worries me. The part that worries me is keeping the ball out of the net. That's that's where I'm a little more nervous. Oh, I'm and, with you. And and this is where, you know, it begs the question. Would you start Rudy Camacho tomorrow? Dear God, no. I mean me, personally. But, but, but here's the thing. So you can start... I mean, we agree. If Binks is healthy, he plays. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that Raitala is going to play if he's healthy. Okay, so that's two left-footed center backs. So it comes down to Waterman. I don't think Fanny's... I don't know if, I, if Fanny's healthy enough to go start. Waterman or Camacho. And I just... I think that Camacho is a better player. But it goes back to what I said before, John. If you help insulate your back line with Piet and Wanyama as you're holding midfielders, and they kind of, they're, they're just, you don't have Piet getting forward as much as we've seen in the last little while mm-hmm. up the right side, because that's just, he doesn't have the quality for that. If you just keep them as holding midfielders, insulate the back line, and you pray that Camacho doesn't have that one... Because outside of the one brain fart at a very critical moment, he's actually pretty good in the run of play. Like, he's not terrible. He's but over, he has every over-aggressive. Game, every I know. game he has... I know. Like, that. that's the thing is that... It seems crazy to say this, but I think I'd actually probably start Waterman just because he's very no-nonsense. He doesn't dilly-dally on the ball. He knows that he's heading it out to clear. He's either kicking the ball out of bounds. Like There's no there's no overthinking. It feels like Camacho takes an extra half a second or two seconds to overthink things, and that's when he gets into real trouble, and it's happened over and over and over again this yeah. season. And so, yeah, I agree with you that I'd like to see Samuel Piet and Victor Wanyama uh, set up as two defensive midfielders in front of the back line, but that hasn't happened all season. But so that's why you stay. I don't in, know. That's why you stay in Jersey. I know, but I I just don't know if we have any kind of any kind of basis to really. But that's just say my that That's going to happen. But that no, we don't. But that's that's just my opinion. That's sure. like one guy's opinion. I'm just saying, if you don't want to do what I'm saying, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. I'm listen. Terry Henry has forgotten more about soccer than I'll ever know. But throw something different that DC United would not have prepared for. Throw them. At, throw that at DC United. Like DC United again. Like they're not Real Madrid. They're not Barcelona. They're not a powerhouse. Well, that's the thing is that do throw you fear something them? at them. Do you fear them no, enough? No, but throw them a different look. 
But that's the thing is, do you fear them enough offensively to change your game plan to make sure that they don't score on you? But it's not a question of fearing them. It's a question of catching them off balance with something that they haven't prepared for because they haven't seen it on tape. That's why I think... I know, but is catching them off balance you playing an unbelievably defensive counterattacking system? Is that really catching DC United off balance? Yeah, I think it is. Because then you're, because then the holding midfielders on the other side have to figure out who to mark, and and it, if it's something that you haven't prepared for, it can get confusing, and all of a sudden maybe there's a little bit more room in behind those those holding midfielders for a guy like Boyan to create. It's just they haven't they haven't dealt throughout the year. They haven't dealt whatsoever well with sustained pressure. They always break. I remember the the most obvious one for me was at the start of the year before this all went into lockdown against Dallas where they had that 2-0 lead very, very late on. And within the final 10 minutes, they had thrown that away. And all of a sudden, it's a 2-2 draw on the road. What was going to be a very impressive victory turns into a draw that feels like a defeat. It just... I don't know if sitting back is the right idea for a team that has so many problems defensively because when you crater to that back line for so long you just surrender possession to the other team again and again and again and after a while if you're not able to get out which has been one of the real problems for them because they don't have a target guy up front unless it's Kyoto now and again um, they just haven't been able to make the ball stick trying to get it out so I, I just I don't know I don't know if you if you stick with what you're going with because DC United are not as good as you are or you don't believe that they are I have a feeling that we're going to see the exact same Montreal impact we've seen throughout the year. Just maybe tactically, they're a little bit sharper, and therefore earlier in the game, they can maybe exploit DC United. But I don't, as much as I agree with you 100% that that makes sense in terms of the actual formation, I I don't see any real big changes in terms of formation from Thierry. And just a reminder, impact coverage tomorrow on Decision Day in the MLS begins at 2.30 with Grant Needham uh, and myself. Antonio Brown will make his season debut for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tomorrow night right here on TSN 690. What can we expect from the troubled receiver in his first game and for the rest of the season? The coach, Jeff Reinbold, will tell us. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens Hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you for another 25 minutes with John Still. And uh, as uh, John incorrectly stated uh, during SportsCenter, we will not have 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock games uh, for the NFL on TSN 690 tomorrow because there is Montreal Impact Soccer, uh, which I, which Grant Needham and I will be bringing you starting at 2.30. Uh, but we will have the Sunday nighter uh, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. And to talk about that and so much more, he's the... Hamilton Tiger Cats special teams coordinator, but we won't hold that against him. And he's a Sky Sports NFL analyst, Jeff Reinbold. Jeff, what's up? Salut, c'est va, Montreal. That's pretty how good. Is uh, how is it in the Belle Province? It's good. We've got a nice couple days, uh, Jeff. It's uh, The weather's been pretty nice here. You still out in San Antonio? Out in San Antonio, coaching ball. Like Your life are like me, man. You just find another place to coach. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to know. I, I mentioned this about the impacts coach Terry Henry, knowing uh, he'll, he's forgotten more soccer uh, than I'll ever know. Uh, I I would love just a portion of the uh, the whatever you've forgotten about football, Jeff. I'd love just like a nugget of that, and I'd love to drop that into my brain because I'm pretty sure you've seen it all at this point. Well, I don't know about that, but as I'm getting older, I think I'm forgetting more and more football. <laughs> 
Uh, we had uh, we had Thomas Haskins on in the first hour, former Alouettes running back. Did you guys ever cross? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Thomas was a heck of a player out of VMI. And yeah. I remember when he came into the league, uh, you know, he tore it up, and he was he was kind of a really unique guy. He, it was it was thunder and lightning with him and Pringle yeah. because you know Pringle would pound you, and then Thomas would come in, and whether they was out of the backfield or as a receiver, and then as a great returner too. So. He was really, really a good player, and I, I you know, I, I didn't see that name for so many years. And then I, when I saw the uh, that he was coming on the show, I thought, man, that's really cool. He was a really good player. Yeah, and uh, and he mentioned that uh, that he uh, he had days from uh, he where they were doing training camp at Saint Jean sur Richelieu in 2012. Did you guys do training camp there, or were you already at Lennoxville in uh, in at Bishops? We were up at Bishops in 2012, the year I was with Mark, and and uh, really enjoyed that. It was uh, it was great to see the, you know, that part of Quebec, and uh, you know, the place where uh, uh, Blue was a superstar, as a, and then went went back and coached there. Yeah. So Leroy Blue, the great defensive end that mm-hmm. uh, played in Edmonton, and then is now coaching in the league. You, Mark Tressman, that era, that was just that was eye opening to me uh, when you were there, and just the whole Tressman thing. Just because and I want to get into the NFL with you in a second, but I want to, I just want people to realize, like how detail oriented was a Mark Tressman practice? Like how how tough was it to keep up with that? Well, I tell you what, everything about what Mark did was detail oriented. I mean, that's his personality. He is uh, really, you know, meticulous in in his life and his own preparation and that seeped into the football team i was really really fortunate we had a great team in montreal that year we had, uh we came in there and uh, they had i guess gotten beat the year before by hamilton in yeah. a shootout in the eastern final and then we came in and had a tremendous bunch of guys john bowman who was about as good a football player in person as you could find chip cox mm-hmm. uh, billy billy parker you know uh marco briette uh and, you know, just a great group of guys to work with. And, you know, we really, uh, you know, played pretty good defense. I think we improved in 14 categories over that course of that season and went to play Montreal. I played Toronto in the O in a amazing game. I yeah. mean, we had two goal line stands and, and uh, uh, knocked the ball out of uh, guys' hands in the last of the game and got the ball back for the offense. And they started driving, uh, you know, uh, we didn't finish, you know, that was the bottom line. I, you know, uh, uh, scrambling out of the pocket and, you know, throw a ball up in the air and in the end zone. And, and, uh, it's, it's disputed to this day, whether it was touched or not touched, but bottom line is we didn't come down with it and it cost us a chance to go to the great cup, but mm. it was a great season. I enjoyed it very much there. It was a great bunch of people. And I said, Montreal is a great football town. People people don't give it the credit it deserves as a football town because there are a tremendous amount of really really hardcore fans in that city, and I'm anxious to see what the new ownership can do in terms of bringing it back in Montreal because it's a great city and it's a city that needs to do well for the CFL. He's Jeff Reinbold, Ticat Special Teams Coordinator and Sky Sports NFL Analyst, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, all right, let's get to the NFL. Uh, it was funny uh, hearing Devontae Adams after the game, and I can't say I disagree with him, Jeff, on Thursday night. He say, he was asked, who's the best receiver in the NFL? And he said himself, I love the confidence. I love the arrogance. I think you've got to bring that swagger to the field every day. Uh, as a coach, do you, do you like when your players come out and say that openly to the media? 
Well, I think so. I mean, I, you know, a guy shouldn't be afraid of being great. And, you know, there was an old Western show when I was a kid, and one of the characters on the show, he would just go, no brag, just fact. And, <laughs> and I think Devontae Adams is that saying that. You know, he's, you know, compare him to who? Compare him to Hopkins. Hopkins will tell you he's the best yeah. in the league. And it, you should want to be the best in the league, and you should feel like you're the best in the league. Now, if you can't play and you feel like you're the best in the league, that's not good. <laughs> but when you're a player, there's no, you know, you want that confidence. You want those guys that want the, you know, the ball thrown to them in the crucial moments. You know, it's like Michael Jordan. He wanted to, he wanted to take that last shot. Kobe Bryant, he wants to take that last shot. And, and again, that's the kind of confidence and, you know, you use that word swagger that the, the great ones all have. So if I asked you, you could pick any receiver uh, in the NFL right now. Who would you pick? Well, I think DeAndre Hopkins or, or Adams would be my pick. You know, again, the only thing I worry about with Adams a little bit is he has a tendency to get nicked. And, you know, you look at Hopkins, and he's kind of a throwback guy, really, Joey. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of flash. There's not a lot. He catches the ball and scores a touchdown and gives it to the official. You know, and you're not going to see uh, a, a lot of – trash talk out of DeAndre Hopkins, but what you see is production, and that's the bottom line in the, in the industry. This is pro football, and fans need to understand this. Pro football is a now business. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-today business, and you know when you've got a, a talent like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, certainly the Cardinals, that's a, such an upgrade to put a guy like that on the other side of a Hall of Famer like Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, I think the impressive thing, and we talked about this throughout the week uh, with uh, Nuke Hopkins, is just you look at some of the quarterbacks he's played with, Jeff, and no disrespect to any of those guys, but you know when you have uh, you know a season of 111 catches back in 2015 when Brian Hoyer and TJ Yates were throwing you the ball, again, no disrespect to those guys, but to come out with 111 catches and double-digit touchdowns, I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. Well, and... and- Factor in, too, not only the guy that's throwing them the football, but who else do they have on the field to take the pressure off of? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, as a defensive coach, when you've got a great player and there's only one great player, you can double that guy all over the field. Now, you put him with another great player, it's a different deal. And so much of Hopkins' career, it was him and not much else. And that's, again, another reason why I think he is, you know, such a difference maker. And Devontae Adams, you can say the same thing about him because that the rest of that Packer-wide receiver core, I don't want to use the term pedestrian like they're just guys, mm-hmm. but there's no outstanding player. You know, Scanling's a good player. He's not a tremendous player. But Aaron Rodgers elevates his play, and Adams elevates his play because so much of the focus has to go to Devontae Adams that those other guys, Conan, the tight end, and those guys can become factors. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Alan Lazard will come back, but again, I think to your point, he's not at the same level, not even close uh, to uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, how about uh, Sunday night, Jeff? Uh, what do you expect from Antonio Brown? He's got one game in his legs in the last year and a half. Uh, how much do you think Bruce Arians is going to play him? Well, I think he'll get his. I think he'll get his plays, and I think he'll get his touches. You got to understand, this guy and Tom are really close. As a matter of fact. Uh, Antonio Brown has been living with Brady. So you know that they're spending time together. They had an incredible chemistry in the one game that they did play in New England together. So I think you'll see some of that. Obviously, B.A. is going to put him in a position to do what he does best. And you fit him into that star-studded cast that they have in Tampa Bay right now. 
because it's a case of the rich getting richer. And, you know, um, will he get a massive amount of touches? I don't think so, but I think the, the, his impact on the game will be felt beyond the stat sheet. You know, when you have a guy like him who can rip the top off the coverage, who can, you know, you can put out and you can isolate him one-on-one against a, a, a weaker DB, that changes the scope of what the defensive coordinator has to do on the other side of the, of the ball. So, you know, I, I think it's Dennis Allen, who's the defensive coordinator in, in uh, New Orleans, got his hands full now because not only do you have to, you know, deal with the tight ends, you got to deal with a, a group of wide receivers that is maybe as good as there is in football right now. Are they the most complete team in the NFL, Tampa Bay? Well, I, I think the thing that would concern me, the only thing that would concern me about Tampa Bay, when you watched them last week, Joey, against the Giants, yeah. was their inability to sustain a running game. And I think, you know, as good as they are throwing the football, when you get into playoff football, and this has been proven historically, you have to be able to run the ball enough to keep everybody honest and to close out games. You know, we're talking about against the Giants, and they did not sustain a running game. Now, some of that's because of injury. But Fournette, really, I think he averaged like two and a half yards a carry. And that's, you know, that's not going to be good enough when it comes down the stretch, especially if they have to play in weather. And, and uh, you know, again, I think as we finish out the NFL season, it's really, really important for a team like Tampa Bay to lock away as many home playoff games as they can so they're playing in, you know, in good weather. He's Jeff Reinbold joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. Johnny? Jeff, um, a lot of people after that Bucks saints game are looking to the Seahawks against the Bills as the other premier matchup. But in, in, terms of, in terms of quarterbacks, one of the most fascinating for me has to be at 4 o'clock in the, uh, in the AFC West between the Chargers and the Raiders. Um, what have you made of Justin Herbert's rookie season so far? Obviously, he plays with some very impressive uh, receiving options in L.A., and uh, the rebirth of, of Derek Carr we've seen over the last year or so. What do you made of both of those quarterbacks? Well, I'll be honest with you. When, when he came out of Oregon last year, I thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was a great player. I didn't see enough, you know, uh, it, based on what they do offensively. It was hard to project him into what he would be asked to do as an NFL player. Obviously, he had the size, he had the arm talent and all of that. But, you know, again, they were all single read, half-field reads that he was doing at Oregon, a lot of RPO stuff. And he has really come in and I think surprised an awful lot of people with his ability to not only, you know, his composure in the pocket, his arm talent, his ability to evade the rush and keep his eyes downfield when he's hit, you know, he, he's not a guy that shies away from things. You know, it's awful tough for a, a guy that comes out of college football. The speed of the NFL game is so di- different. I don't care where you play college ball. Uh, you know, he played in a power five school, but still you're talking about the best of the best. Now the windows are, they close so fast and, and they're so tight, but he's made the jump. And I, and I think for charger fans, that is a huge, huge um, thing to give you hope for the future because you can see how much in the NFL. I mean, we talk about it in the CFL all the time, but certainly it's become this in the NFL. You don't win with game managers anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a guy who can make plays for you. And Justin Herbert has shown that he is a guy who can do that. And I, I think the really impressive thing, Jeff, there's no no preseason games. Uh, and he came in, he, had, he found out he was starting his first game like 
minutes before kickoff with the whole, you know, the the punctured lung and and Tyrod Taylor. I mean, that's just that makes it even more impressive. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I I, I uh, asked Trent Dilfer one time. I said, Trent, what is it about playing quarterback in the NFL that that's so difficult? And he said, you can't underestimate the enormity of the position, the leadership part of it, the amount of learning that's involved in it. Um, you know, just how big it is, the pressure, the media pressure, all of a sudden this kid goes from being a backup to being the face of the franchise, and he seems to be oblivious to all of that. I thought personally that what was going to be the acid test for, for Herbert was once you go from being the backup that all of a sudden has to, you know, I mean, it was, happened so quick he didn't have time to get nervous. He didn't have time to understand how yeah. big it was. And I thought, well, two, three weeks down the, down the road, as defensive coordinators start to get some tape on and it'll, you know, he'll come back to, you know, he'll come back to being a rookie, but the kid has transcended it. And I think that's fantastic. Jeff, it's always prime time when you're on the show. Appreciate it. And hopefully we can do this again next week. Well, let's do it next week, partner. All right, Jeff Reinbold. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. That's Jeff Reinbold, Hamilton Tiger Cats special teams coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator in Montreal, as he mentioned, back in uh, 2012. And uh, he breaks down the NFL for us every week here on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri. He's John Still. The NHL came out yesterday. They said that their target date for a return is still January 1st. There's one massive question I need answered before we we start playing hockey again, though. Baseball struggled to answer this question before the start of their season, and I'm really curious to see how hockey players respond. I'll tell you what that is on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens Hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. This is something that the Players Association are going to have to talk to their representatives from around the league and figure out just where the guys want to go in terms of dollars and cents and where they want to go in terms of protection and the longevity of their careers. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. The other thing is don't forget 2022 is an Olympic year. Um, so that's next February. We'll, we're going to have Olympics, um, and, and it's going to be in Beijing, China. And so that's something that you got to pay attention to, too. The better players are going to have to play. And um, who knows this summer, if, if they try to play 82, how condensed the playoffs are going to be. I mean, it's going to be that much more condensed. Uh, NBC's Pierre Maguire on Melnick in the afternoon yesterday. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri. John, still with you till noon on TSN 690. And uh, I mentioned that there was a big question I had when it comes to the NHL season. I, I don't know. I'm still skeptical that they're going to be able to start on January 1st. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they start training camp right around then. I'm I'm good with that. You have yeah. two weeks of camp. I'm, I'm fine I'm with kinda, that. I'm kind of with you, especially with all the news that we're getting from uh, both the uh, the OHL and the AHL targeting early February. I think that in the end, you're going to have all three of them start yeah. right around. I time. think they'll start early February. But my big question, the the thing that I've been so curious about, yes, in baseball, mm-hmm. it was a problem to figure out how many games. That everybody like everybody wanted to play. It was hard for the owners and players to get on the same page because the the players wanted more games, more money, and the owners wanted less games, less money. Of course, right? Uh, with no people in the stadium, you can certainly understand why both sides would want that. But now, like you're hearing seventy two. Pierre Maguire mentioned yesterday that he could see a scenario where potentially they could play eighty two games this season, but. I don't think that's happening. 
And I don't know if it's prorated salaries. I don't know that the players are going to want to play 48. So how tough is it going to be to get on the same page if your player, if your owner, because there's going to be a lot of money at stake, obviously, uh, because I just I don't see players getting a full salary if they're not going to play a full 82 games. Right. And then if you're a player, I think you have to look at this and you have to say, all right, money's great. And, and listen, if I'm a guy who's you know relatively new in the league and I'm making $700,000, I want to play as much as possible. But if I'm a guy who's banked you know, a couple million or not a couple, a few million dollars over, you know, a seven, eight year career, I probably think to myself, you know what? Money's great. I want to make as much as I possibly can, but it's just not worth it if the schedule is going to be that much more condensed. So I'm fascinated to see, does that number, the games played number, whatever the final number is, how easily does it come? How easily do they agree on a number? And what is that number? That's I, that's the part I'm very very curious about. Okay, let me throw out the number for you because I think in the end, uh, 48 games is lockout territory. Yeah, and 82 games. I, I'm with you. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think you meet right in the middle. I think 60 60 games makes infinite an infinite a lot of, amount of sense. But I I just don't. In baseball, it was the lead up or the conclusion of the salaries, the fact that uh, owners and GMs weren't signing players until very late in free agency, so guys' uh, actual contracts were depreciated on the market. Um, It was uh, all of this acrimony in terms of speeding up the pace of play, how to change baseball. So there were all kinds of different things that were leading up to the fact that made it that much more contentious between the MLB and MLBPA. This is relatively probably the most harmonious relations have been between the NHL and the NHLPA yeah, it's been friendly, you're right. for the better part of like a decade. So I expect that in the end, there's going to be a lot of this talk in terms of the actual schedule and everything. But I just don't think that in the end, um, the NHL and the NHLPA believe that having a public battle is really going to benefit them in any way. So I think in the end, you'll see lobbying back and forth, and there might be some unkind words said here or there. Mm-hmm. In the end, I think they both know what's going to be the most beneficial for them, and I think they'll the, it'll be relatively reasonable and relatively peaceful between the two sides, just because we've seen that over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and I think it's that's a smart way of looking at it, John, because the last thing you want is to have what baseball had uh, prior to the season starting, and that was just, you know, millionaires and billionaires uh, arguing over millions of dollars. That's right. And it's just, it's not, it's never a good look, but it's especially not a good look during a pandemic where there's so many people, you know, that have been laid off, so many people struggling. It's just, it's it's not a good look. So I don't think it's going to get that public. I don't think it's going to be as bad uh, as it was with Major League Baseball and the Players Association there. But I still think that it's something that's going to need to be voted on clearly. By the players, and I just think if I'm a young player, a fringe player that hasn't made a ton of money, maybe I want to play more games. And if I'm a guy who's made a couple bucks, then I'm willing to take down, you know, bring that games played number down by a couple notches, uh, just because you know I know that once we get into April and May, and I'm playing four games a week every week, and you know the building's empty, and we're just you know our bodies are being punished like they typically are, right? 
you know, maybe you know, instead of playing four games every week, we play four games every three weeks. Yeah, you well, know, they, and they that's, went, that's worth something. Yeah, they went through all of that um, this year in terms of not actually paying for playing for a paycheck when they had the 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 play in back in, but. That's why I, I believe that when it comes down to saying in the 40s for games, I don't think players are going to want to go for that yeah. because then you're almost having their salary. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the owners are going to want to shell out the cost to actually host 82 games. So that's why 75% for me makes so much sense. So somewhere in that 60, 61, 62 game range makes a lot of sense for the NHL. And I think you'll see a lot of posturing. But in the end, uh, I, I do believe that there's going to be enough reasonable lawyers on each side they're going to say, guys, in the end, this is a terrible situation, as we all know, and here's a less terrible outcome to this brutal situation. Yeah, well said. He's John Still. I'm Joey Alfieri. This is Saturday Sports wrapping up on TSN 690. A reminder uh, that I'll be back in the studio with Grant Needham tomorrow, beginning with pregame coverage of the Montreal Impact and what? DC United at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard time we've got a full hour pregame uh we will have the game itself of course and a full post game show and uh, we'll probably be taking your calls as well uh, at 514-790-1690 so you can either uh, celebrate or vent uh, on the post game show after terry Henry has spoken uh final poll results uh john go on uh, so the question of the day was you have to bet a paycheck on whether or not the impact get into the playoffs tomorrow yes they'll beat dc finishes with 20 percent no they won't get in finishes with 61 percent and yes they get in but without a win tomorrow finished at 19 percent. so your winner is no they won't get in montreal you're so so negative so classic montreal I, it is I, classic. It is really classic. We 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 have never been an optimistic city. So I uh, think they get. In. I think they win tomorrow. I think they back in. I, I think they good, back. You think in. they back in? I think they get in uh, by the you know by the the front door. I, I think they're going to win uh, and they beat DC United. Uh, but uh, thanks again, uh, John, for everything today. The show absolutely flew by. Uh, and a thank you to our guest, John Daigle of uh, Roto World Football. He broke down some fantasy football. Thomas Haskins, former running back of the Montreal Alouettes. We reminisced with him. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Vasily Kremenzidis, the assistant sporting director of the Montreal Impact also joined us in this hour and so did the coach Jeff Reinbold breaking down the NFL scene. If you missed any of those conversations you can go to the TSN 690 website to catch them and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast Uh, if you want to listen to the full show uh, you can do so on Apple Podcasts Google Play or SoundCloud just search Saturday Sports on TSN 690 Uh, subscribe give us a rating a positive one preferably, uh, and uh, you can leave a comment as well. Uh, This has been Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody.